Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there. Welcome to a new edition of the Alt in Our Stars, Billboard.com's very own rock and alternative music podcast. I'm your host, Chris Payne, and I'm here with Ty Comer whose title with Billboard, I'm not sure what it is right now. It has to do with branding yeah, and artists and stuff. It's changed a little bit. I am now senior director of branded content officially, but I still play in the music side with Billboard as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, editor at large, I don't know, editor yeah. in general, whatever it is you want to call mm-hmm. me, Billboard editor guy. An editor who I've worked with many times before. I think I hired you, actually. Editor who hired me many t- many times before, <laughs> and how proud I am of you today, Chris. There we go. So here we are, many moons later, discussing a legend, a legend of alternative and rock music, which is what this podcast is all about. It's Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth, who you're a pretty big fan of them, aren't you, Ty? I'm a huge fan of Sonic Youths, and you know Kim specifically, um, and you know it's sort of. Kind of, I mean, people are aware at this point that the band is no longer, um, that Kim and Thurston are no longer. I'm still mourning the loss of the band and the loss of the relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, she put out a great memoir, and uh, I'm have definitely been enjoying um, diving into that and sort of getting the inside scoop on not just what happened in sort of like the highs and lows of the bands, but also about the relationship. It's a really interesting read. Yeah, so that's what we're here to talk about today. We're actually premiering the first five minutes of the audiobook version of Kim Gordon's Girl in a Band, her new autobiography, which hits shelves on February 24th, a.k.a. Tuesday. And I really wanted to premiere this portion of the book because I felt it set the stage really, really well for what comes after. It does. You know, when I first picked up the book, I wasn't quite sure how deep Kim was going to go into talking about her relationship with Thurston. You know, I mean, it's sort of, you can't avoid talking about it, but just in terms of the breakup specifically, um, she's done very little press about it. And in general, I think that she's sort of like the anti-Courtney Love. You know, she's very reserved. Mm. She, you know, she's very... Some have called her cold in the past, Um, you know, but just, you know, just a little bit aloof and she doesn't really um, give up a lot of emotion. But the first chapter of the book, I was a bit surprised at how forthcoming she was. I mean, it really sets the stage for the last Sonic Youth show, how people were acting, how she was feeling, really dives into what 
her relationship with Thurston was like at that point. And it sort of like, I mean, it really affected me because, mm-hmm. you know, I think that hearing it from her perspective, I mean, she did a very good job at giving a very sort of clear idea of what the emotions were feeling and just how painful and raw it was. Um, so, you know, I definitely, I applaud her for being so forthcoming about it. I mean, I think that it's a question um, that a lot of people still have about you know, like what exactly went down and sort of like what that experience was like. So the fact that she starts the book off that way, I think is just a really compelling way and it helps get people into the rest of the story. Yeah, so to set the stage, this is November 14th, 2011, in Brazil, pouring rain, last ever Sonic Youth show. As luck or bad luck would have it, it's being streamed online and being shown on television for really all the world to see. Playing it out of obligation, divorce papers have been filed, Thurston is palling around with the guys, Kim is kind of in her own world, and that's where she's going to take us. So this is premiere of the first five minutes of the opening chapter of Kim Gordon's Girl in a Band. Enjoy it. The End When we came out on stage for our last show, the night was all about the boys. Outwardly, everyone looked more or less the same as they had for the last 30 years. Inside was a different story. Thurston double-slapped our bass guitarist Mark Eibold on the shoulder and loped across the stage followed by Lee Ronaldo, our guitarist, and then Steve Shelley, our drummer. I found that gesture so phony, so childish, and such a fantasy. Thurston has many acquaintances, but with the few male friends he had, he never spoke of anything personal. And he's never been the shoulder-slapping type. It was a gesture that called out, I'm back, I'm free, I'm solo. I was the last one to come on, making sure to mark off some distance between Thurston and me. I was exhausted and watchful. Steve took his place behind his drum set, like a dad behind a desk. The rest of us armed ourselves with our instruments like a battalion, an army that just wanted the bombardment to end. It was pouring slanting sheets of rain. South American rain is like rain anywhere else, and it makes you feel the same, too. They say when a marriage ends that little things you never noticed before practically make your brain split open. All week that had been true for me whenever Thurston was around. Maybe he felt the same, or maybe his head was somewhere else. I didn't really want to know, to be honest. Offstage, he was constantly texting and pacing around the rest of us like a manic, guilty kid. After 30 years, tonight was Sonic Youth's final concert. The SWU Music and Arts Festival was taking place in Itu, just outside Sao Paulo, Brazil, 5,000 miles from our home in New England. It was a three-day-long event broadcast on Latin American television and streamed online, too, with big corporate sponsors like Coca-Cola and Heineken. The headliners were Faith No More, Kanye West, The Black Eyed Peas, Peter Gabriel, Stone Temple Pilots, Snoop Dogg, Soundgarden, people like that. We were probably the smallest act on the bill, It was a strange place for things to come to an end. Over the years, we had played lots of rock festivals. The band saw them as a necessary evil, although the do-or-die aspect of having no sound check before you played made them sort of thrilling, too. Festivals mean backstage trailers and tents, gear and power cords everywhere, smelly porta-potties, and sometimes running into musicians whom you like personally or professionally but never get to see or meet or talk to. Equipment can break, delays happen, 
the weather is unpredictable. There are times you can't hear a thing in the monitors, but you just go for it and try to get the music across to a sea of people. Festivals also mean a shorter set. Tonight we would close things out with 70 minutes of adrenaline, just as we had done the past few days at festivals in Peru, Uruguay, Buenos Aires, and Chile. What was different from past tours and festivals was that Thurston and I weren't speaking to each other. We had exchanged maybe 15 words all week. After 27 years of marriage, things had fallen apart between us. In August, I'd had to ask him to move out of our house in Massachusetts, and he had. He was renting an apartment a mile away and commuting back and forth to New York. The couple everyone believed was golden and normal and eternally intact, who gave younger musicians hope they could outlast a crazy rock and roll world, was now just another cliché of middle-aged relationship failure. A male midlife crisis, another woman, a double life. Thurston mimed a mock, startled reaction as a tech passed him his guitar. At 53, he was still the shaggy, skinny kid from Connecticut I had first met at a downtown New York club when he was 22 and I was 27. He told me later he liked my flip-up sunglasses. In his jeans, old-school pumas, and untucked-in white button-down Oxford, he looked like a boy frozen in some diorama, a 17-year-old who didn't want to be seen in the company of his mother or any woman for that matter. He had the Mick Jagger lips and the lanky arms and legs he didn't seem to know what to do with, and the weariness you see in tall men who don't want to overpower other people with their height. His long brown hair camouflaged his face, and he seemed to like it that way. That week, it was as if he'd wound back time, erased our nearly 30 years together. Our life had turned back into my life for him. He was an adolescent lost in fantasy again, and the rock star showboating he was doing on stage got under my skin. So rock star showboating he was doing on stage got under my skin. So how did you feel about Thurston after reading this book, or at least this passage? And is that ruining your views on Sonic Youth now? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I... I wasn't there. We're hearing her side of the story. I'm sure that Thurston has his side of the story as well. I think that a lot of people are going to wind up thinking a lot less about Thurston. Yeah, uh, or once, already have. Or already have, <laughs> like once they read the book. I mean, let's face it. I mean, everybody knows that the band broke up and their relationship broke up because he had an affair. And, you know, I, I, people have made their judgments already, and I think it definitely cast him in a bad light. And I think that, you know, hearing it from Kim's perspective, where you get the emotions behind it instead of just the details, I think sort of, you know, deepens the, it deepens the, deepens the anger that mm. people sort of feel. You know, and it's 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 sad because I mean I love Kim and Thurston as a unit. You know, I think that. You know, Sonic Youth was a great band, and part of that was the chemistry that the two of them had on stage. I mean, did you mm. ever see Sonic Youth play live? No, I never got to. Well, I saw them play like 20 times. Mm. I mean, there's, I mean, it's one of the advantages of being old, I guess. But <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there was a point in like the late 90s where if you lived in New York City and you were a fan of indie rock music, you basically tripped over a Sonic Youth show. Like, they were really hard to avoid. Mm. And it's, you know, they were such 
elder statesmen of the scene. I think that, you know, they paved the way for a lot of bands that, you know, in some respect, wind, winded up becoming more popular than them. I mean, Nirvana definitely sort of like rode into you know, rode into the um, sort of like the mainstream consciousness through the coattails of Sonic Youth in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, because people a lot of times credit Nirvana with, you know, the year punk broke 1991, but a year before that, Sonic Youth had already entered the major label game. So they were, they were the forerunners in that sense. They were, and that was a huge deal. I mean, I remember when, um, when Goo was announced, and, you know, I actually remember... Uh, Dave Kendall on 120 Minutes announcing that Sonic Youth had signed to a major label and mm-hmm. that they had left the indies behind. And it was just sort of this moment where it was like I, there was a lot of like, you know, trepidation in their fans and sort mm-hmm. of there was this idea of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, is David Geffen going to be in the studio being like, no, 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 you got to play <laughs> this way, Thurston, you know, and like, what's going to happen to the group? And what happened was that they made an awesome record. They made a mm-hmm. record that sounded like a Sonic, Youth, a Sonic Youth album. So, you know, and I think that gave a lot of other bands the courage to take the step into larger distribution, realizing that they could still be themselves. And once that happened, then, you know, Nirvana's Nevermind happened and Holes lived through this and Smashing Pumpkins. And I think that Sonic Youth were really sort of like the first band who had such a strong indie credibility because they kind of were the quintessential indie rock band. I mean, Daydream Nation, which came out right before Goo, was just like, I, I think, like one of the pit- one of the pinnacles of indie rock music. I mean, I still think that that record, I would put that against any album from that era or possibly any other era as like one of the best, like, you know, alternative rock and one of the most influential alternative rock albums. So... The fact that they were able to make that jump, that they were able to go onto MTV, um, I think, you know, definitely paved the way for a lot of bands. And they meant a lot to a lot of people. And I think that they were able to, for 27 years, um, you know, they were able to sort of wave the flag for indie rock. And I think that people look up to the looked up to the band and to Kim and Thurston in general as just sort of like this perfect couple, mm. one to be admired. And the fact that the group crumbled because of their relationship is something that a lot of people are still reeling from. Yeah, and I think it was very much romanticized from what I can gather as the cool rock star couple who was also seemingly very well adjusted and had aged very gracefully, had a, a great daughter and had balanced this coolness on one side and like you were saying, being the quintessential indie rock band and also balancing family life. I think a lot of fans who grew up with them were able to relate to that in this very romantic way. So it's something that it's it's because I didn't really grow with it. It's something that's a little bit more difficult to wrap my head around. But I can see maybe it's maybe like maybe Win Butler and Regine from Arcade Fire will kind of become that. I hope I'm not saying I, I hope they have a happy ending, but <laughs> yeah. but but I'm saying maybe they can reclaim that that well-adjusted cool rock star throne. Well, it's actually an interesting comparison because I think that you know I, I, not necessarily that they have sort of taken the place of Thurston and Kim, that would be impossible. Mm. But, I mean, off the top of my head, they are kind of like one of the only couples that I can think of. Successful indie rock band. They've, you know, they've got what seems to be a strong marriage that's devoid of drama. Mm. You know, and that's the other thing about Thurston and Kim that were so cool. Like, individually, they were just, like, super chill, 
great musicians, but they avoided the drama that a lot of other couples at the time didn't. I mean, like, you know, they were sort of like the anti curtain Courtney. Yeah. Um, you know, who were in the tabloids and, you know, there was a lot of discussion about their relationship. And I think that, you know, Courtney is just sort of like a drama magnet to begin with, but you know, they just seemed like they were above it in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh not in sort of like an aloof sort of way, but it's like they sort of kept their relationship strong and sort of kept, if they were having any sort of drama, they were able to not let that affect the group and it certainly didn't get out to the public. So it's really ironic that this story ends with there being so much drama and there being such what what Kim actually calls the sort of like, you know, a typical, you know, midlife crisis sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So if we're looking for a light at the end of the tunnel, a happy ending, reading this recent interview Kim did with the New York Times, it seems like she really is starting to find herself again, which, you know, makes us really happy because, you know, she's living in L.A., she has a new art exhibit coming up, she has her band Bodyhead, she's dating again, she says in the interview. So hopefully, like, this memoir was a good way of letting things out into the world and getting over things for Kim. I think it was really cathartic for her to write. You know, um, it's it's got to be such it's got to be such like a rewarding process to be able to just get it all out on paper and it's sort of just like finally exhale and let go of it. You know, yeah. that's what it feels like she's doing in the book. She's sort of putting it out there so she can get past it and move on with her life. You know, and the other thing about about Kim that you sort of realize from reading the book is that. You know, yes, you know, Sonic Youth is what she is most regarded for and what she'll be remembered for. But she had a really active and creative life before Thurston ever came into the picture. I mean, being an artist is the one thing that she's only ever wanted to do. And, you know, just reading like the people who she had relationships with and and who she was friends with before Sonic Youth, I mean... Um, you know, is really interesting. I mean, she actually dated one of the guys from Oingo Boingo. Um, one of the guys, excuse me, she did, did, dated Danny Elfman, <laughs> who's like yeah. the guy from Oingo Boingo. And now, you know, has obviously gone on to become like, you know, a world famous composer. Yeah, um, in the book, in, in one of the early chapters, she's just like, yeah, we just went over to visit, visit William S. Burroughs. It's like it's a thing with her kids. It's like, yeah, it's something everyone does. Yeah. I mean, the names that are dropped in this book are kind of crazy. I mean, like yeah. you expect like Kurt and Courtney, but between William S. Burroughs 
and Chloe Seveny, who actually got her break in a Sonic Youth video, mm. um, which I completely forgotten about. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, very successful and very creative people who have gone on to do great things that Kim has been associated with. And I think that she had a very creative and active life before Sonic Youth. And it's great to know that that's going to continue after, you know, the demise of the band. So speaking of continuations, we have the premiere of some never-before-heard music from Kim Gordon coming up at the end of the show. And remember, you can also subscribe to the Alts and Our Stars podcast by clicking the iTunes link at the bottom of the last paragraph in the story. You can also listen to some archived episodes there. We have Pete Wentz. We have The Screaming Females. We have Of Montreal. Lots of good stuff there. So here's new music from Kim. We will be back next week with an interview with Andrew McMahon. Until then, take care, guys.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 